good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. A kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. And I'm your host, Robert Pilot. And we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Ogama, Native issues are human issues. And human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Again, this is Native Roots Radio all over the Civic Media Network here, and we uh, talk about Native issues, and we talk uh, in the first part of the show. Oh, our dog's talking here. Uh, the first oh, part of the hey. show, sacred dog, that uh, little uh, Gracie. Um, we talk about uh, Native news and events, and why don't we get it over here to Ogama, who talks about Native news and events that you don't hear anywhere else. Welcome. Oh, Hey, Buju relatives. This is Ogamaganuakwe. I am a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota and coming at you from central Minnesota Makoche here in uh, the frigid North Country. And uh, I just wanted to touch base a little bit on what's happening uh, now that we're on the other side, it seems, of these uh, crazy blizzard conditions that we had um, over the holidays, Robert. Um, they think forecasters said that this uh, storm that we just went through the the winter storm was nearly unprecedented in its scope. 60% of the U.S. population was under some sort of winter weather advisory or warning, which is about 200 million people. Um, and, you know, tribes, again, um, as we talk about often, Robert, tribes were hit the hardest. Uh, tribes in the Northwest, the Rocky Mountains, the Great Plains, and the Midwest battled really extreme weather conditions, um, including the uh, Dakota uh, 38 plus two riders um, that started in Lower Brule, South Dakota. Uh, they began on December or December 10th, and then they finished December 26th. And that storm came in uh, last weekend, December 20. Uh, but came in about the 20th and through the 25th, uh, all the way through the Christmas holiday, and it was. Um, it was intense for those riders uh, that were on that uh, trip, but um, my understanding is that in some places it may have been easier to travel by horse. Uh, South Dakota, Christy Noam, uh, the governor, actually activated the state's National Guard um, to help the Rosebud Sioux tribe because they needed to get uh, firewood because many members were stranded in their homes and there was no firewood. Um, the Oglala Sioux tribe was using snowmobiles to reach citizens who were living in very rural rural areas. And then vehicles were breaking down in 10-foot snowdrifts and officials considered using horses uh, to deliver essentials uh, to some of the homes and ended up seeking help from the federal government. Um, unfortunately, there was a 12-year-old boy in the Rosebud Sioux Nation who died after medical responders could not reach their home. Um, and many people are, you know, run out of food and their houses were freezing up. Power outages left 1.4 million homes homes and businesses in the dark in the U.S. Um, in Tennessee and Nashville, they were um, doing rolling blackouts to conserve power. And about 4,500 flights uh, were down as well. And, um, you know, this type of extreme weather is becoming more common and will continue to become more common. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just awful, Robert, when we hear about how much our relatives have been affected by this, um, both in Minnesota, um, you know, and there's a whole article that I'm looking through on ICT and the Weather Channel and a couple of other sources right here. And you know what? Very few of them mention our unhoused relatives. And that, um, you know, breaks my heart as well that, you know, they're mentioning that people couldn't get by planes, trains or automobiles. But we have relatives who, you know, literally were outside um, with very little to no coverage for all of it. And um, 
I'm sure that of the death toll that we heard about in uh, Western New York, um, that some of our unhoused relatives were probably part of that as well, that may or may not even be reported in the numbers. So as we're on the other end of this massive storm and we're starting to look at a possibly another winter storm coming up this weekend on the horizon, I just want to remind everybody to be safe and to um, start making those kind of preparedness plans for next year because this is going to continue. Right, Robert? Yeah, I would say um, very eye-opening. Uh, yeah, I mean, really. And now we're going to have really below uh, uh, weather now, meaning we're going to have hotter weather here in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota and uh, uh, hotter than average. So that they predicted that, too. The weathermen are, the weather people are really uh, predicting this weather really well. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> predicting it um, is not the same as being prepared for it, you know. So just, again, reminders to people to start putting those things together to, you know, if, if possible to prepare to be ready for rolling blackouts and those types of things in this type of weather. So yeah. Um, Robert, I know there's an article that you sent me uh, that I wanted to touch base on uh, with Hennepin County uh, now having a Dakota Land and Water Acknowledgement Statement, um, which is fantastic. So uh, the Hennepin County Board um, acknowledges, obviously, the land and water that was taken from the Native Americans, uh, Dakota people in that area. Um, and the document is a three-year effort that... Uh, was finally read in full and approved um, just in November during American Indian uh, Month in the U.S. Um, and, you know, it was a really collaborative effort with the area's Dakota people and the Hennepin County Board. And it just really seems like it was a great part. The land and water acknowledgements that I have read, this is um, probably one of the best one um, because it opens up and I think this first sentence that it leads with is really great. It reads, as part of our commitment to address the unresolved legacy of genocide, dispossession, and settler colonialism, Hennepin County acknowledges that the magnificent land and vibrant waterways from which our institutions benefit are located upon the cultural, spiritual, and indigenous homeland of the Dakota Oyate, the Dakota Nation. And I just unresolved um, that the institutions benefit um, indigenous homeland, settler colonialism. I mean, the key words of what looks like real healing are there. And I was really impressed with it. Robert, have you had a chance to read the whole statement? I think no, you were in person when it was read, weren't you? Well, you know, I have ADHD, so I might not have remembered that. But uh, what I do remember is my land acknowledgement. And uh, they don't ask me anymore to do that because I just say, give our <laughs> land back. That's my land acknowledgement. Right. Give our land back. But no, I see what you're saying. And two, one of the things, too, I want to just throw out there real quick. I know we don't have a, a little a bit time left in your segment, is that. Um, our, our white allies that listen to this show, which are many, and we really appreciate that, you guys don't be uh, coming and asking natives to come do a land acknowledgement. That's up to you to know and learn and um, just throwing that out there. And what does that mean? You know what I'm saying, right, Ogama? It's like... Uh, yes. Do not, do not force people of color to educate you. You need to do educating yourself first. And that is definitely something that is ongoing as well. Hey, before we run out of time, Robert, I just want to let people know, too, that the second annual Snow Snake Festival is going to be happening on Saturday, February 11th, 2023, on Madeline Island in Lake Superior at Joni's Beach. Um, wow. I've heard that uh, the big part of the Snow Snake Festival is uh, making it on and off the island so uh, make sure you um, check in with your fellow snow snakers and people in the area if you're planning on making it out there so that uh, you can make it out there and also get some lodging so just wanted to give that as a heads up I love Madeline Island it's a very sacred place for uh, Anishinaabe and uh, it's uh, a great place and uh, I, I'll be in New York then so I won't be able to make it up there but Ogama maybe you can do a live uh, broadcast up there Ho wah 
<laughs> okay, maybe not. Hey, up next, uh, a state representative, and I always want to say state senator because I think I want her to be senator. State representative Heather Keeler up next. We got a few fun things to talk about coming up, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence and shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Health insurance that fits my budget? I'm covered. I needed health coverage I could count on and afford. Minsure helped me find a plan that works for me, and they helped me save money. Did you know that most Minnesotans qualify for savings through Minsure? And they have free experts who can help you sign up for coverage. Go to Minsure.org today and get started and get covered. That's MNsure.org. MNsure.org. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit MN350.org. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. I am Oshawashko Gizig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Hey, this portion is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization, organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, I am so happy to have State Representative Heather Keeler on. Um, always great to have you on, and we're uh, revving up here to a new session and you'll be in the twin cities again um wow Uh, and also congratulations on your victory i don't know if we've talked since uh since you won um because i have a good memory but it's short yeah i feel like i'm not sure that we have either i feel like (laughs) um you know getting through the election and coming out in a trifecta i feel like i did one one of two things i was either spending my time resting and kind of rejuvenating with the winter solstice and really taking that into space of, you know, I, I know that I need to rest and um, have a strong foundation to go in, but then also traveling to conferences, you know, in the last month to really engage in spaces, particularly around ICWA and the work that we need to do um, that I'm really hoping to address at, at a state level. So yeah, I'm sure I've not been here. So thanks for having me back. Yeah. I'm super excited. It's crazy to think we get sworn in um, next week already. I know that is crazy and congratulations too. And I just want to give a quick shout out to all your, all the people that support you up there. Um, uh, and it was great to have you win again, um, uh, and be here and, uh, support our people. Like, I don't know. I, I think I, I must be prejudiced, uh, uh, Heather, but I really think you're uh, one of the big doers at the, at the house. So I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for saying that. Yeah. And, and also to, kind of mimic what you said. I I appreciate my supporters from all over. It's crazy how, um, yes, I represent District 4A, which is Moorhead. Um, Interesting enough, now I'm the last, I'm the only Democrat west of uh, St. Cloud in the entire west side of Minnesota. And so, you know, we also have a lot of sovereign nations out here. And so, you know, I really come to work with a lens of not only being a voice for my district, but also very much being unapologetically indigenous in every space that I sit in. Um, so being able to uplift our tribal nations and their voices as well, um, you know, it feels like a really big task, but I, I learned a lot in my first session 
Um, and I feel really ready and prepared to come in and do, you know, hopefully some big things this time around. So I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the supporters, um, you know, the financial donors that I've had, I, I really wouldn't be able to get across the finish line. And, and I appreciate you always sharing the message of hope and love, um, and, you know, through my campaign as well. Well, I really appreciate that too. Uh, you're an easy person to support. You don't have to really think about, oh, you know, should we support Heather? No, you're a doer. And, you know, uh, it, it amazes me the more and more I get involved in politics whether it's uh, having this radio show, and I've always been involved, but also being uh, my job, my full-time job, is that not everybody is a doer. So again, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are holding um, space and chairs, and that's about it. So it's great. And I do mean that at the bottom of my heart that you are a doer. And uh, um, so, yeah, oh, not everyone is. Thanks. Well, hopefully we keep on doing. That's what we're here to, here to do, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's some exciting stuff coming up here. Um, I'm going to be totally excited because uh, I'm I have the day off and I'm going to be coming up to the Capitol. Yeah, on Tuesday. Right. So yeah, we get we get sworn in. Um, all of us do on Tuesday to start the session. And you know, I've always kind of said like we as Indigenous people maybe aren't necessarily seen in the Capitol, you know, that's the people's house um, as welcomed as we maybe should be. And so it's really exciting because part of our swearing in ceremony on the house side um, with myself, representative Jamie Beckerfin and representative elect Alicia Kozlowski, um, we're doing a round dance. We're doing a pop-up round dance in the rotunda with our drums. Um, you know, this isn't like an agenda event. This isn't about us as politicians. It's really about starting off the session in a good way and having our allies there with us, bringing our tribal leaders, you know, actually into this space with us. I think it's interesting that as the state of Minnesota, we have, you know, we, we enacted tribal consultations as part of this work, you know, as we move policies and bills um, into law, we are supposed to be having engaging conversations with our tribal nations. And I just feel like one of the best ways to do that in the house where I serve um, is to invite our community into our space and really start it off in a way that I'm familiar with um, and doing it in a way that, you know, helps our community hopefully really see, be seen, um, valued and and heard in our space of decision-making. So, uh, so should I bring a hand drum or should I just bring my, my moccasins? I mean, bring it all, right? You can bring your hand drum. <laughs> oh, uh, good one. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, maybe we can get Ogama to come down from the deep north with her newborn, and uh, uh, who knows? Yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't know about newborn. She'd probably be putting her feet down to dance a little bit here. She's almost walking now. She'll be a year oh in March. God. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. And I do hope that people bring, you know, their kids, you know, really – I mentioned it here and I've said it a couple other times. I think, you know, ICWA is my number one priority in this session. Um, I was licensed ICWA for many years and loved a lot of babies in my home um, and know that we are in a, in a time that our states really need to step up to protect our next generations. And so um, I hope our kids come. I, I hope that our kids come into the space and they see us as leaders coming together, um, uplifting, you know, voice and change for them and their future generations. And so, yeah, if you have little ones, uh, make sure that you you bring them because I, I believe in representation. And I think it's really important that our next generation, you know, not only sees us, but knows us and celebrates in spaces with us um, alongside us. Wow. What a great point. Uh, seriously. Um, I remember going there on tour as a young person, uh, during school. So maybe we should reach out to some schools out there like uh, American Indian Magnet and those schools and have them come down too. That would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, in not only on the first day, but just throughout the entire session, there's a whole lot of, you know, bills and conversations that we have both on the Senate and house side and committees and what that process looks like. And, we're on the house floor and you can sit up in the gallery. You know, I was never, I never stepped foot in the Capitol before I got elected. And I think I'm not alone in that. You know, this isn't a place that's necessarily welcoming for us. You know, we don't see a whole bunch of our tribal schools showing up in buses to spend a day as like the life of a legislator. And again, it's that subliminal messaging that if we don't spend time in those spaces and recognize those spaces, 
you know, we're not going to be in those spaces. And we absolutely have to be at the table of decision making. And so you're right. I think it starts with, you know, bringing your classes. Wednesday mornings, I don't have any committees. And I'll put it out there. If there's any any Indian education programs in this region that want to come and spend time and see what we do, I would absolutely make time for that. You know, my heart is in education. I was a liaison for a long time. Um, and I think opening that door and, and being welcoming is, is how we make change in the future. Wow. Excellent. Excellent point. And uh, again, the round dance, uh, anyone can come because we have a, a ton of uh, white uh, uh, people listening to the show that really like to, to support us. So uh, anyone can come, but let's get the natives out there and get your ribbon skirts on and I'll bring my hand hand drum and maybe I'll bring that uh, Vikings color ribbon shirt of mine, uh, seeing that they're doing so well and I'm such a homer. <laughs> I love that shirt. Yes, you should. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and also, you know, I, w- I want to continue to spread the message that as we go into this work that though we're in a trifecta and I know a lot of people come to the table and, you know, Minnesota is going to move in all these progressive ways. Um, you know, I just want to cautious us, caution us that we continue to pause and make sure that we're not missing our tribal nations. Um, and I think often we move forward really quickly um, and quick bills can be great, but I think being you know, really efficient and effective in making sure that our tribal nations and our tribal communities aren't being missed um, in this momentum is really something that I hope to do. We have our Native American Legislative Caucus that we come together regularly, um, not only to move our bills forward that we're working on, but also to play defense and make sure we're not, you know, slipping anything through that could actually create more harm for our communities. So we're a team. Um, As we're back in session, I hope to be back and give you all updates because I do think it's important at this network and this space um, to be able to share out, you know, how do we make these ideas into law? How do we implement them? And how do we need you as community members to join us um, in testifying and uplifting why those changes are so important? You know, I'm pretty excited, too. We have uh, uh, another young one like yourself uh, up in Duluth coming down here and and working Mm -hmm. hardcore with you. And I'm excited to see the work that she's going to be able to do. Yeah, it's really interesting to have um, more people at the table, like even adding just one more indigenous legislator helps us, you know, sit at more tables across the board. I know that representative elect Kozlowski, you know, is really powerful in housing and that's an area that I'm passionate about, but can't sit at that table. So, you know, it's, it's always nice to have those different spaces. Um, we got our committee assignments. And so I am appointed as the vice chair of children and family services. And then I also am sitting on human services um, because we dissolved the preventing homelessness division that we had last session um, that I was the vice chair of. So I, I hope to continue to be a voice to make sure, um, you know, I really believe that no, nobody should be homeless, but we should definitely not be homeless on our homelands. Um, so working in that capacity, but then also serving, you know, our littles and our next generation. Well, we have uh, less than a minute, Heather, and I want to uh, just uh, make this statement. I hope uh, with that $17 billion that we can help our homeless, too, and uh, in a good way, not just throw money at it, but be really, like you said, uh, really thoughtful about it. Well, homelessness is only an outcome of systematic, you know, oppression. And so we can put houses everywhere if we don't actually dissect and fix the system. Um, and the people who are making the decisions in the system, we're going to have a long haul. So um, this is your your thought process in the future. Get involved. I encourage everybody all the time. You know, there's always opportunities to step up, whether it's in your local PTACs, whether it's your Indian Education Parent Committees, thinking about running for office. You know, really, we need to be advocates in those spaces. And I tell, used to tell my kids all the time, there's going to be a moment in your life when you have to step up and step out and it is going to take a whole lot of courage and i hope all of you take a moment to find the courage and step up because now is the time that we need to show up for our next generations minnesota state representative heather keeler it always comes sounds so beautiful coming out of my mouth thank you so much for being on we'll talk to you soon and if not at the very least i'll see you on the third oh yeah see you pilame Okay, we'll be right back with uh, Robert Lilligrand of Native American Community Development Institute. Stay with us. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. 
Thanks to everyone who supported AM 950 for the last three years. Good news. The AM 950 2023 calendar is ready to go, featuring photos I took around Minnesota and important progressive dates. If you sign up to become a member with a one-time $50 membership or recurring monthly membership of $10, you'll receive a 2023 AM 950 calendar as a thank you gift. Go to am950radio.com to become a member and receive a calendar. That's am950radio.com. Thank you so much for supporting AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Tis the season to be jolly, and nothing makes me jollier than a clean home. If you just had Thanksgiving at home, you're probably still assessing the headaches your holiday company caused to your carpets, tiles, and maybe even the upholstery. And now you have less than a month before it's going to happen all over again. Call Zero Res today and ask for the AM950 special and three room Zero Resify for just $119. That's a $50 savings. And don't forget those air ducts. Take another $75 off your air duct service to get them zero res clean. Also, are you looking for last minute gift ideas? Give your loved ones a zero res gift card to spread the zero res clean cheer. Call 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMinnesota.com to schedule your appointment today and beat the holiday rush. Lastly, now is the best time to book ZERO-RES for your year-end office cleaning and get you ready to provide your employees and patrons a clean and safe environment for 2023. Hey Minnesota, it's Brad Friedman, host of the Bradcast. We'll expose and make sense of all of our current political nightmares and more every weeknight at 7 on AM 950. Hi, I'm Kelly Tanky. And I'm Joe Kirk. Tune in to AM 950's newest show, Searching for Service, a show designed to help current and future Rotarians find purpose through service. We are dedicated to sharing stories, experiences, and opportunities for those searching for purpose, value, and meaning. But more importantly, connection through community. Tune in Sundays at 3 p.m. or anytime via podcasts. It's time to stop searching and start serving. Don't drive too fast or you will miss Scott Jamama's Hot Barbecue. Scott Jamama's offers huge taste out of a little place. Located at 3 West Diamond Lake Road near the intersection of Nicolette Avenue and West Diamond Lake Road in Minneapolis, this tiny hole in the wall offers mouth-watering baby back ribs, grilled chicken, and half-pound pulled pork sandwiches. Don't forget to add the potato salad, spicy baked beans, twice-baked potatoes, and delicious desserts. Find their winter hours and full menu at scottjamamas.com. Hi, I'm Rachel Shamblot. My dad is Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. A lot of people are afraid of the dentist, but you don't have to be. My dad makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. He won't be mad if you haven't seen a dentist in a long time. He just wants to take care of you and your teeth. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Shamblot Family Dentistry in Hopkins and St. Paul. Find them online at shamblotfamilydentistry.com or call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Snow expected tonight with a low of 12, then sunshine Friday with a high of 21. Whether you're dining in or dining out, eat local Minnesota restaurants and food purveyors will make your next meal one to remember. Visit the full list of Eat Local Minnesota restaurants and food purveyors at eatlocalminnesota.com. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, just a reminder, everybody, open enrollment for MNsure is closing at the end of the year. You want to make sure to get over to mnsure.org to get help and to find health insurance that you can afford. Again, that's mnsure.org. Hey, I also, Ogma, I want to get a quick reminder that uh, Native Roots Trading Post downtown Minneapolis is now in its new hours, the last two weeks that it's open, Tuesday through Saturday. Come on down 10 to 6 and uh, pick out some Native art. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Native art, we have Robert Lilligren here, who's, I think, a piece of work or a piece of artwork <laughs> here, huh? Or one of the both. Oh, yeah. haven't That's seen you in a couple of weeks. It's great to... Great to see you again. You're all rested after your uh, vacation up north. Uh, awesome to see you, Robert. Yeah, bonjour. Hey, Ogama. Hey, Robert. Nice to see you both. Looking good. And yeah, it's been kind of nice having a few weeks off. And I got to tell you, as I age, I'm getting much better at sort of taking that time you need to rejuvenate and to relax and 
And at our organization, NACDI, you know, our busiest time is from about June to November. So we're all, I close the office down for the end of the year. So everyone can get a little breather. So I'm feeling good. You know, that's funny. Uh, it's really stuck with me. And I think it was like uh, our last show that we were on and we were talking about mental health and how how you take care of your workers. That's really, really stuck with me, uh, The what you what you said. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, and this was really taught to me from um, a local elder, Linda Eagle Speaker, and from her tradition. But at the beginning of COVID, she was coaching a lot of leaders or Native organizational leadership in, in just sort of how to get through this. And it was really intense and rewarding experience. And what she taught me and really taught me was that and the indigenous approach is to take care of yourself first, your family second, and your community or your organization third. And I got to tell you, I really pushed against that. I'm like, oh, we're indigenous. We care for the whole. And she says, just kept repeating it calmly in her way. You know, take care of yourself first, your family second, your community third. And, and her argument was, how can you take care of the community if you're not taking care of yourself and your family? And so I finally believed her and uh, really embraced that. And at NACTI, we've embraced it. And I got to tell you, it's just, it's amazing to see how it has amplified our energy, our capacity exponentially. And that's kind of the, the secret joke is, you know, the, uh, that now we're getting more out of all the incredibly talented Native professionals that work at NACTI because they're taking care of themselves first, their families second, and then the organization third. It's 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 like almost a miraculous or mystical kind of kind of response. That's a, that's amazing, and it almost gives a gives you a pause to think about the four day week that people have across the world that we don't because we're all crazy about the money and the dollar. Right, right. And at NACTI, I always say, manage your schedule. As long as the work gets done, I don't care if you work one day a week, you know, but manage your schedule. But, but I don't think people think folks have quite embraced that yet. So maybe we'll have to get a little more for, formal about a four-day week. But but when we work, you know how we work at NACTI. I mean, yeah. our folks work hard yeah. and they work a lot. And so, yeah, this approach has been been really something i'll tell you that this shifting to this indigenous approach of taking care of yourself first and, like and then you, see it, you know, go for it I, I like coming in and going oh you guys are switch seats <laughs> you know <laughs> right. it's like people have move move around every week yeah. i don't and that's cool. right right so folks know our office is tiny right we don't even actually have enough desks for everyone that works that works so we only have 10 people that work there full time but uh, and so that was another benefit of COVID. I'll tell you, folks learned how to work remotely. They learned how to go to where they were are most productive to work, which isn't always in the office. And so we do what I think some folks call uh, hotel desking, where it's a sort of open desks and people, if they're in the office, they grab a desk and, and work there. So yeah, yeah, so it's very fluid. I, I, Ogama was laughing there is, is, is hotel uh, hotel office a funny one for you, Ogama? Hotel office is a funny one for me because um, I do work from home. So I hotel office my house. Sometimes right. I'm at the kitchen table <laughs> and sometimes I'm in my office here and sometimes I'm on the couch. And, you know, sometimes I'm working like from one of the bedrooms because that's the quietest place to be. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty familiar with that. And yeah. if any of you have been listening to Native Roots Radio for the for a while, I used to have a office, a closet office uh, <laughs> oh, that I God. worked and broadcasted out of uh, before we moved last year. So um, and this office that I'm in now um, in our new place is also quite small and I might call it a office. It, it's not large enough to count as a bedroom. So. Right. I, I'm pretty familiar with that. I've just never heard it called hotel desking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's just a term I picked up somewhere. But I love that. I love cloppus too. I think I'll pick that up over now <laughs> and use that. But but it's yeah, it 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 was hard for folks because a lot of people feel like you know to be at work means being at your desk at your computer, you know, nine to five or whatever. And so it was something to learn that you know to go to where you are most productive. 
And as you know, Robert, because you've been in our offices a lot, they're very open, very public. Our organization is very permeable to the community. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of disruption, uh, disruptions throughout the day, which I love because mm -hmm. that's us engaging with community in another way. And uh, but for folks who are trying to get some writing done or something, it's kind of disruptive. And so, so now we know if you, if you want to need some peace and quiet, go to your cloppus at home, you know, or, or <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny um, when COVID hit, I don't know if you remember the timeline. I was teaching high school and when COVID hit, they just, we were, matter of fact, we were on strike. St. Paul Public Schools was on strike. The governor okay. said, come back so you don't, we're closing the schools, come back or so you have your health care. We came back and then I had to, Robert and Ogma knows this really well, I had to walk uh, go for a walk every morning before I got behind my computer and taught. So all these things, and I still do now, uh, get out and walk an hour every morning before I, I get going with uh, things, unless I'm uh, in Black River Falls or something. But wow, change. Yeah, change, huh? Yeah. Good for you walking every morning, Robert. I'm really impressed. My husband, Steve, walks 20,000 steps a day. He does oh, a morning walk. I know <laughs> a noon, a lunchtime walk. And I don't even know if I do that when I'm in New York. And you know how <laughs> you walk around in New York City. Uh, Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So that's what your iPhone's for. You got to check and see how many steps you've taken today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I got uh, twelve thousand in today, but nice. Um, but twenty. I'm still in shock. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's his goal, and he makes it pretty much every day. Pretty much every day. Yeah, and Ogma, you know, she switches not only offices, or she switches offices once in a while, too. Her and her husband, uh, significant other, uh, flip a coin and they switch offices, and it always looks a little different, too. But I forgot all about the co uh, the closet she was in for darn near a <laughs> year. That's right. Yeah, you could just see the door and the little posters I had on it behind me, and occasionally the kids would get out of hand, and I'd have to knock on the door behind me to tell them to be quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, it was it was like that. I'm kind of the same way, Ogama. I don't have dedicated workspace. I'm working on a little portable computer table that has just got me through the last few years, and I move around a lot. Uh, we only have two bedrooms, and the other one is a dedicated office for my husband, so I float everywhere. I'm in my bedroom right now because it's where, where I have the best sound and, and stuff, but I'll work in the living room. I work at the kitchen counter a lot, so I was, yeah. I'm always kind of sensitive to what I call my tableau, you know, what's, what's going on behind me here. So <laughs> when I sit well, at the kitchen I, island, it's all my Christmas tree and lights and stuff. I look like I'm in Santa's, you know, workshop or something. <laughs> well, Joel, Jolene gave me one of those really cool uh, uh, posters. And of course, Christmas came along and my, my, uh, he knew my daughter, my oldest daughter wanted it, so I had to give it to her. And now, now I wonder if you guys have the, any of those stashed down there. The Billy Jack. We the, just made one of the vote, the native vote posters. It's the which one? The with the the young reservation dog. Uh, oh, okay, sure, sure, yeah. I I'm, I'm guessing we do if you stop. Then. <laughs> we probably have a few. Jolene, there, oh yeah, I love that one. I have that yeah. sticker on my computer on the back of my laptop here. Yeah, that's an awesome one. Um, so we only got a couple minutes this segment. It's kind of fun just catching up, uh, you know, uh, on the air. And uh, we always, uh, it's fun because people talk about our show and you're a huge part of it, Robert, along, of course, with Ogma, is that it's it's a, it's a kind of a, just a discussion. It's kind of a laid back, you know, kind of how's it going and, you yeah. know, talking about things and Maybe the last segment of the day, we can talk about some news about uh, some political news that's going on around, okay. uh, you know, uh, we had uh, State Representative Heather Keeler on earlier. And yeah, I saw that. The round dance is going to be happening up at the Capitol, and I'm excited. I can't wait. I'll be there, too. That is going to be really exciting. Yeah, and uh, Ogama won't be there, but, hmm. uh, w yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a hard one, but, uh, you know, We'll we'll uh we'll say we'll we'll get a t-shirt or something for her and send it up to the deep north. But hey, let's take a quick break here. Um, we're with Robert Lilligren, um, 
The CEO of uh, Native American Community Development Institute here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. And uh, we're just like conversing and uh, we'll talk a little politics here at local and national when we come back. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hey, Wendy, what are we doing for dinner after the show? How about we go to Jay Selby's on 169 Victoria Street in St. Paul. They have a delicious plant-based menu that's compassionate and environmentally sustainable. I'm getting their spot-on vegan Big Mac, the dirty secret. You can pick up and they deliver within a five-mile radius, or you can call them at 651-222-3263 or visit jayselby's.com. Well, you sold me one. Let's go order at Jay Selby's tonight. I'm hungry. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Health insurance that fits my budget? I'm covered. I needed health coverage I could count on and afford. Mincher helped me find a plan that works for me, and they helped me save money. Did you know that most Minnesotans qualify for savings through Mincher? And they have free experts who can help you sign up for coverage. Go to Mincher.org today and get started and get covered. That's mnsure.org. mnsure.org. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. We we're making Robert to howl again. I saw you howl with uh, Wendy the first time. Appreciate that. Hey, we're uh, yeah, here with yeah. we're here with Robert Lilligren, uh, CEO of the Native American Community Development Institute here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. Um just like uh, what's what what's going on here? Uh, we're gonna have a trifecta here in Minnesota, and we're excited about that. Um, we have seventeen billion dollars. Excited 17. about that. Seventeen point six billion dollars. Oh, geez. Yeah, don't forget uh, that point six bill. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I know um, we're we're excited. We're excited for that. And uh, you know, we have State Senator Mary Kunish on every almost every friday and it was hard for us you know and she's so positive and professional but reading between the lines of with the senate being a republican and the house being democrat and of course a democratic governor it was hard to get things done oh yeah and it's not going to be easy street even with the trifecta but it's a lot more uh i'm a lot more optimistic and you know, the state budget surplus continues to go up. And in early December, they announced it's going to be $17.6 billion. I think when they first started talking, it was more in the single digits of the billions. And, and first, I want to put out there, having been in government myself, I feel like budget surplus is a misnomer. And there's always more need than the resources that we have. So, so I don't really view it as a surplus, but it does... It does give us some hope that some of our priorities will be funded, and in, in the native in, in native community, you know, in the urban community here, we have this effort called the Urban Indian Legacy Initiative, UILI or UILI, and 
Dr. Joe Holbott of the American Indian OIC has been a huge leader in in this, and uh, and it's to get our organizations capitalized. You know, we have aging facilities and facilities that are falling apart and inadequate to serve our community, and so. So we're looking at this surplus as an opportunity to really come in. There's uh, 15 Native orgs that are part of the Urban Indian Legacy Initiative. I think we're promoting 12 projects, 12 or 13 projects. And with a $17.6 billion surplus, we feel like it's time to fully fund all of those projects. So we'll be meeting with the governor early, early in the session uh, to try to move that forward and get the governor and lieutenant governor on board advocating for for that full funding of these capital projects. That's exciting. And I, you know, that's so unique across Turtle Island, I think. Um, and we have rep- representation, which is really exciting. And, you know, your good friend, uh, the lieutenant governor, is almost... Uh, you know, I I couldn't tell you years ago who the lieutenant governor was. You know what I mean? Right. It was like you, you, and then we had one that was wasn't re, a Democrat. It was a Republican. You know, just a mess. But this yeah. one, Peggy, is almost like uh, a vice governor. You know, I, I you really know, feel that's that a way. really good way to put that, Robert. And I'd say you know during our for, former governor, Governor Mark Dayton, and uh, his lieutenant governor was uh, Tina Smith, who's now our senator. And that really elevated that role of lieutenant governor into more of a, not quite, but sort of a co-governing governing model. But I will say Waltz, Governor Waltz and Lieutenant Governor Flanagan have lifted that up much higher. And, and I remember back when, uh, you know, they complement each other very well. They represent sort of the political spectrum on the Democratic side, or here it's called the Democratic Farmer Labor Party, the DFL. They complement each other. They really bring two bases together really well. But I remember when they first announced their campaign, uh, they did it at the Minneapolis American Indian Center. I was there too. Yeah, cool. And that was their campaign kickoff. And I had made a mental note to myself that I wanted to hear the words co-governing out of their mouths during that kickoff event. And I thought to myself, okay, if I don't hear that, I'm going to reach out to Peggy Flanagan and say that needs to come front and center in your approach and in your messaging. But sure enough, when they were talking to the crowd, they're the very enthusiastic crowd. They use the word co-governing several times. And I thought, okay, that's that that satisfies me. And I feel like they've really taken that approach and that they've been able to amplify their impact because of it. Yeah, it's fun too because uh, Peggy pro- trained uh, – uh, walls way back in the day with uh, uh, Wellstone with, Action. Thank you. I couldn't think yeah. of it. Yeah. Isn't that? And then that was brought up that day too. And she brought it up a lot during the first campaign. Yeah. that She trained a lot of folks that are in elected office or that have been. She was a, a trainer for Wellstone Action, of course, uh, an institute that honored our late Senator Paul Wellstone here. And, um, and Peggy was very active there, but when I served on the Minneapolis City Council, I think the second term I was there, three of the members emerged from that same class, or at least two of them, that Tim Waltz was part of, that Peggy trained them all, you know, <laughs> and then they went on to successfully win elections. Of course, Governor Waltz was our co- was a congressman from Minnesota CD1 first, and that was, that was his first uh, run for office. Well, I see them around and we, uh, you know, and the governor knows me because I, I come around a lot and, uh, uh, you can't really fake that, uh, relationship they have. It's a, it's a legitimate relationship. And I just want to say that Robert, I want to back up a second too, because for me, it's always good to have some ammunition when people say, oh, you know, you should give the money back, you know, when it comes to the 17 billion, I heard something really uh, interesting that I want to ask you about and have you comment about. With that money, that's not just taxpayers. That's businesses that are having banner years that are in, correct? Yep. It's higher than expected collections and lower than expected expenditures. So you're exactly right. It comes from a number of sources. I suspect that there will be some kind of refund that goes out to to most households or families. I suspect that will be part of um, crafting some kind of agreement 
you know, across uh, across the aisle. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. But you're exactly right. There's different sources. Well, it's funny, too. Um, we've done really well besides having, you know, dealing with COVID, which the lockdown is not that long ago. Right, right. And so things, you know, things are changing. We're coming back, coming back to life. So it's going to be an interesting year. It's been, what, I'm trying to remember, 15, 16 years since we've had uh, the trifecta, since the governor and both houses in Minnesota have been under one uh, Democratic control. So something's going to happen. And within the caucuses, the majority and minority caucuses in both our Senate and House, three of the four caucuses are led by women. For yeah. the first time, first time in our history. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, progress, right? It's progress. That's good. You know, and we know as native uh, uh, natives that the women do lead the way and we need to support them. And so that's good to see. Yep. That's very it's good. Really I'm very good excited to see. to see what happens. Well, we're winding down the show here. Um, uh, nationally, I don't know. Um, the Republicans are fighting, and uh, that's good to see. Yeah, they have a real leadership battle on their hands. Yeah. Uh, I was just reading a couple of commentaries today that um, if McCarthy even gets to 200, what is it, 208? Is that what he needs? to yeah. 208 to get that he will very unlikely end the session as the speaker. He may start it as the speaker. And then there's the whole George Santos oh. uh, scandal out of New York's third congressional district, which is fascinating. Uh, as they get into his finances, there might be something right. criminal that would keep him from getting into office. But I will point this out with the Republican Party. You know, they're very tolerant of crooks and <laughs> operators. And then Trump just opened that wide open. So it's almost become like a refuge for petty criminals and petty crooks and people working in their own out their own self-interest to go there. It kind of washes you clean, right? It gives you some yeah. some legitimacy, but they welcome those folks in with open arms. And I do not think that bodes well for our democracy. Well, he made fifty-five thousand uh, a year ago, and then all of a sudden he had eleven million dollars in assets after one year. Right. Wow. Right. How do you do that? Yeah. Who? Yeah, I would like to know. I'd like to know. Right. <laughs> wow. Well, Robert, really great to have you on again, and uh, we've missed you. And uh, I missed you. Yeah, and this is always uh, a high point of my week. And having state senator, uh, I always want to say state senator, and I think I want uh, Heather to be senator now. Um, yeah. So <laughs> say representative. Maybe she's on Heather. that path, huh? Maybe she's. Oh, uh, she's path. a doer. She's a doer for sure. Um, and we're we're excited about that and having her on. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we're here with Robert uh, Lilligren and Ogma Pinigigi for all you do, and of course, State Senator, State Representative <laughs> Heather Keeler. Hey, if you're listening, listening to the show, you're part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground in which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. Free Leonard Peltier now. <laughs>